Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through, and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant, free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or walmart.com. Well, hello there, Dr. Nicole here. I am thrilled to share something incredible with you today. Imagine having a treasure trove of informative, entertaining, and empowering video content about the journey to parenthood right at your fingertips. That's exactly what you get with Informed Pregnancy Plus. For less than 25 cents a day, you'll gain access to a vast subscription library filled with documentary films, web series, mind and body fitness programs, workshops, and courses covering fertility to parenting and everything in between. A few of my favorite titles are The Business of Being Born, Empowered Mama, Belly Dance for Birth, Ease into Sleep, The Afterbirth Plan, and The Core Connection. And here's the best part. For a limited time, you can gain full access absolutely free. Just visit informedpregnancy.tv to sign up. Get Informed Pregnancy Plus right now for your informed and empowered parenting journey, all from the comfort of your home. Visit informedpregnancy.tv. Again, that's informedpregnancy.tv. This is a different type of birth story episode today, but one that I know you're going to find helpful. Warning, it does involve loss. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN who's been in practice for nearly 15 years. I've had the privilege of helping over 1,000 babies into this world and I'm here to help you be calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 116. I am so glad that you have decided to spend a bit of your time with me today. It is a birth story episode today, and it's a bit of a different one. Today, we have Eileen Robertson Hamra on the podcast. After having three children with her first husband, Brian, Eileen had a tubal ligation because she was certain that she did not want any more children. However, unfortunately, Brian was tragically killed in a plane crash when their children were four, seven, and eight, and Eileen was 41. She was lucky enough to fall in love and marry another man, Mike, five years after Brian's death. 
Mike didn't have any children, so Eileen opened herself up to the possibility of another child. She underwent IVF at the age of 45, got pregnant using her own eggs, and gave birth to a healthy 11-pound, 5-ounce baby at age 46. You are going to hear all the details of that amazing journey today. Eileen and I chat about what it's like to suddenly be a widow with three young children, how she reimagined what was possible for a family, even though it was different than what she originally planned, what pregnancy at age 45 was like for her, what it's been like to be an older mom, and much, much more, including a book she wrote about her experience called Time to Fly. Eileen has some really incredible insight and just great life advice, and I know that you are definitely going to enjoy this episode. Now, before we get into the episode, let me do a listener shout out. This is from R. Pat, and the title of the review says, love the info, and I did shorten it just a bit. I had a rough time trying to find a podcast about pregnancy and birth. I'm planning to start trying this year and just wanted to learn more about pregnancy and birth before it becomes a reality for me. And this was exactly what I was looking for. Most podcasts I came across were women talking about their pregnancy stories, but I was looking for one by a licensed physician who can give me a heads up on what to ask my provider when it's time. I don't want to walk away disappointed in my experience when I leave the doctor's office. I want to be prepared and what to expect. I love how informative and supportive this podcast is and how much I've already learned in just a few episodes. Thank you for doing this. Well, you are so welcome, Arpad. I am so glad that you are finding the information helpful. And I love, love, love how you are getting prepared for your pregnancy, even before you get pregnant. Now, I have something coming up that I know you will also love, that I know you'll all love. I am doing a live workshop at the beginning of June on how to make the best of your prenatal care experience. In this live workshop, you'll learn exactly how prenatal care is structured, how it's supposed to be structured, what to expect each trimester, all the tests that happen, including a nice downloadable guide, questions to ask. There will be tons and tons of great info in this workshop. And I'm super excited to do it live because we'll have the opportunity to interact. You'll be able to ask me questions beyond what we can do here on the podcast. So Follow me on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins or join my email list at drnicolerankins.com forward slash email so you can be the first to know about the details of the workshop. There will be a limited number of spaces in the live class, so you want to hop on it if you really want to do it. So again, follow me on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins or join my email list, drnicolerankins.com forward slash email so you can be the first to know all the details of that upcoming workshop. All right, let's get into the episode with Eileen. Thank you so much, Eileen, for agreeing to come onto the podcast. This is going to be a bit of a different birth story episode for sure, but one that I think is going to be very, very useful. So I appreciate you coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. So why don't you start off by telling us a bit about yourself, your work, if you'd like, and your family. Yeah. So um, I'm an author now. I've written my first book, Time to Fly, Life and Love After Lost. Um, I work, uh, I do a lot of philanthropic work in Chicago uh, around health and well-being and also have a small um, company uh, that does 
meditation, yoga, and uh, other corporate wellness programs. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And what about your family? So I, um, I have four children. I am remarried and it's, this goes into a little bit of my story. I, Mm -hmm. my first husband, unfortunately was killed in a plane crash in 2011. Uh, we had three children, um, in that marriage and, and happily married. And then, um, you know, my life took a, a turn and, I was lucky though, and I found another amazing man and was remarried in 2016. And now we have, um, we together have our fourth child, uh, Zach, who is three and a half now. All right. And we're going to get into the evolution of, of all of that. So let's start with the death of your first husband, Brian. I know that was obviously completely unexpected and unimaginable that the grief, all of those things. So what was that like to suddenly and unexpectedly be a single mom of three young children? Yeah, it was, it was, like you said, completely shocking. Not what I expected, not what I wanted. Um, you know, it was three days before Christmas. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, it was really awful. Um, his, uh, he was flying a plane and his right engine failed and, Um, It was very close to the ground. So there was actually nothing he could do. And yeah, so my life, I was 41 at the time. And my life, um, I, you know, I just planned on being Mrs. Brian Robertson. And and I was happy, happy, you know, mom, I was taking care of the kids. And yeah, my life turned around. And, um, you know, it took a lot of healing and, um, I share a lot about that in the book, Sure. um, about what it was like and the transformation of really my, you know, my identity. Cause I, I could no longer be his wife in the same way, um, that I had been being it. And again, and, and it also actually really caused an evolution in my motherhood as well, because like you just said, I became a single mother overnight and being a single parent is not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not impossible. And I have, I have lots of wonderful friends that, that do it, but I have a lot of respect. Um, and you know, it was definitely not what I had planned and, and it caused me to grow and develop, um, more than I thought that I could. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and we're going to, of course, link to your, um, book in the, the show notes and you can tell us about where folks can find it at the, at the end. Cause it's a very inspiring story for sure. Um, but at what point did you decide that you were ready to date again? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So, um, you know, when Brian first passed, I really did believe that I was never going to want to get remarried again. Um, there was nothing inside of me that thought I would be, um, open to remarrying. I was in love with Brian. We had a great relationship. We had three young kids who were, um, like four, seven and eight at the time he passed. And, I believe, I just really did believe, um, that I was going to be happy, not happy, but I would be okay single. And, um, about the year mark, well, I guess probably, I don't know, like, so he died in December. I would say in the the summertime, the late summer, it was probably the first time I ever thought, you know what, this is really hard being a single mom. I don't know if I can do this right. um, forever. <laughs> and I'm 41 and that's a really long time to not have a, a partner. And 
Um, and honestly, not to have an int- intimate partner. And sure. so I was thinking that's when it probably the first thoughts. And then, of course, I felt awful that I would even have those thoughts and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, uh, and also the reality of not being married had sunk in more. And um, it was around the the new year. So that would, would have been our 12th wedding anniversary. And I it started contemplating the idea of taking off my wedding bands and what that might look like. And it was a really painful thought initially, but then my girlfriend gave me this great idea of creating a past, present, future ring and putting um, the diamond, you know, and, and stones on my right hand. And I was like, that feels, and I actually still wear it. Um, Hmm. You know, that felt like, okay, I can still have a relationship with him, even though it's not an earthly marriage, but then it, it was the idea of really opening myself up to, you know, maybe there is someone else out there, which I actually initially also did not believe I could get lucky twice. Right. So, you know, there was a lot of things um, and also how the kids would respond. I mean, it was, you know, as anyone who's moving into a either from a divorce or or a death, like moving into that second committed relationship, it's it's very it's way more complicated, I would say, than than the first time. Absolutely. So, um Yeah, it took something, but I I was lucky to find someone. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Did you know that 95% of pregnant women are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Enter Ritual. Their prenatal contains 350 milligrams of eco-friendly vegan omega-3 DHA in every serving. One of the reasons I like Ritual is that it's a female-founded B Corp meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women Prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. You met your second husband, Mike, and you all got married, you said in 2016, so five years after Brian died, and he did not have children. Before you got married, did you talk about whether or not you would have children together? Absolutely. And that was actually one of, I would say, probably the issue that um, was going to determine whether we really could, you know, have this relationship. And I... Um, on my third pregnancy, I actually was clear that I never wanted to have any more children and I tied my tubes. So I was like very sure that I, I was, you know, 37 at the time right. I was happy. I was like, I felt blessed that I had three healthy children sure. and I'm good. I'm done. Right. And then right. I meet Mike and what are the chances that, you know, you meet someone that doesn't have children and, and I fell in love and we had a lot of really heart to heart conversations about, you know, was I willing? And, you know, he, he was open to obviously to adopting, you know, Brian and I's three children and he has done that. And that was all great. But, 
he really did want the idea of a biological child. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, if the tables were turned and the scenario is the opposite, I would want that opportunity. So I really did have to dig deep and look in and see, was I willing to do what it was going to take and be willing to fail? Um, And if we did fail, would, would, is that the only reason our relationship was together? Like the whole thing. And we, you know, we, yes. So absolutely. We did a lot of heart to heart conversations and a lot of going to the doctor and just to even see, is this even, you know, a dream worth having kind of thing. And um, yeah, so we did definitely. Yeah. And are you all about the same age? We are. He's a couple years older than me. He, um, he was, you know, born in 68 and I'm born in 70. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. And had he been married before? I'm just curious. Yeah, I know. Typical. That, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's so funny because then, you know, you have the opposite end. It's like, okay, well, why was he never married? You know what I mean? Right. You know, so he right. was never married. He he had been in committed relationships, but he never had taken that leap and, you know, made the commitment. So, and it's interesting because, you know, I was not what he thought he would find and fall in love with and marry. Like he was like, I'm going to marry a widow with three kids this is not how I thought it was going to work out. You <laughs> right, know? right. And he, he was attractive and successful and, you know, he, he just thought he would be able to meet someone. And I, I say, you know, he was just waiting for me, waiting for the, <laughs> waiting for us to yeah. meet. But, um, yeah, yeah. Wow. And we did, there was a very, strong connection as most people feel like it was like I knew right away gotcha. it took him a took him a hot minute <laughs> to figure it out <laughs> but, but I I met him and and I talk a little bit about this in the book oh actually a lot about this but like I knew he was it right yeah 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 so once you all um got married and you were like okay we're gonna try and have a baby together how soon did you try to start having a baby and did you go straight to IVF Yes. So we, um, we actually started trying even before we got married because, you know, we're like time is of the essence. So as soon as we made the commitment, we got engaged, you know, I was like, okay, full force, you know, we're going to do this. And in my mind, you know, I had like boundaries. I'm a little bit type A. So I'm like, okay, I, you know, this is what I'm going to do. We're going to go for it. You know, in my mind, um, I was like, if we need to be willing or I need to be willing to try more than once because, mm-hmm. um, you know, at my age at this point, I was 45 when we even started trying. So I was like, I need to be willing to, um, go more than once. So in my mind, I was like, I will be willing to try three rounds with my own eggs. And, and that's actually another story. Like originally I was like, I'm just, let's just go straight to donor eggs. Right. And, um, you know, that was a conversation we needed to have. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm one of uh, maybe my type A or my like, like get it done <laughs> attitude was like, okay, that's the, you know, all the doctors say, you know, that's your surest at my age, your surest um, and fastest way to get pregnant. Right. But, you know, then I had to look and we had to look and I was like, it was possible. It was not probable, but it was possible for us to conceive Um, and I had to look and I said, okay, what will I regret more? You know, never trying and failing or never trying. Mm. And I was like, I, I gotta try. Cause if we could dream, you know, if I had a magic wand, I wanted our biological child, Sure, you know, all the thoughts like, oh, it's not possible. It's not probable. 
blah, blah. But no, no doctor told us it wasn't possible. Like right. I still had my numbers. My FSH was decent. My AM, whatever those numbers all are, uh-huh. but like, <laughs> all the numbers were not great, but they were good. Right. You know, good enough to, to be at least a little bit logical to try. So we did, we did three rounds of IVF, you know, retrieving my own eggs. I was yep. able to retrieve a lot of eggs. I, not a lot, but like relative, like, you know, good nine, nine to 12 each okay. round. You know, I was like super proud of my ovaries. And sure. <laughs> I was, I mean, I was on like my 45 year old ovaries are smashing yes, it. Yes, okay? they are like killing it. And, you know, I of course was on the highest doses of everything. Right. And it was mm-hmm. not easy. Mm-hmm. It was exhausting. And, all of, you know, emotionally exhausting, the roller coaster of it all too, right? Yeah. Like, you, and I'm sure your listeners know, it's like every, every phone call, what, what's my estrogen? What's my follicle count? What are the sizes? Yeah. I mean, you just become immersed in this world of, you know, praying for the miracle. And so we wanted, we wanted it. We, we ended up getting pregnant on the third round with, um, with my own egg and it was, didn't last, right. It was my, my, um, HCG quickly, you know, determined it wasn't growing. It wasn't going to make it. Okay. So we then decided, okay, we're going to go for a donor round and, you know, again, get it done. I decided on frozen eggs. We, you know, and I had already been looking, so we're like, let's, we found a, a donor, we did a donor round and we did not have great numbers and it did not take. And we were all kind of scratching our heads. Like, you know, we kind of thought that was the sure thing, right. You know, right, right, um, and, right. and background, I didn't have preg- trouble getting pregnant with my other three. I did have a couple of miscarriages, but you know, my fertility was uh, pretty good, at least in my thirties. Right. Sure. Sure. So you may, let me just say, so you, you, you had, you had retrieved all of these eggs. You tried with your own egg and still had some frozen embryos available, but instead decided to try the donor route. Yeah. Well, no, I never had any frozen. We always, for those first three rounds, Uh we put everything in. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. Because statistically, you know, right. Yeah. Statistically, it was safe, right? I wasn't, I was not really at risk of having multiples and it would be a blessing if even one took. Gotcha. So after all of those, and we never did freeze anything and we never did any genetic testing either. Cause I was like, well, if we get lucky and we get pregnant, like, you know, if there's something genetically wrong, most likely it will miscarry. So, um, and we would just cross that bridge. And so anyway, we had tried this. So three rounds, my own one round of donor. Okay. And now we are ready to do another donor round. So we had some more frozen eggs from a donor, beautiful, you know, lovely, generous, amazing people who donate eggs Uh uh who are, um, so I, God bless you for, for families who have trouble. And so we have these donor eggs and I go in for my baseline and which, you know, they tell you guys tell us like how many follicles and it was August 8th and I had 16 mm. and it was like a record number right, right, right. <laughs> for me. And I went to lunch with a girlfriend and I just had this gut, like, 
should I try one more time? And I know this is like such a, it's so hard, right. To make those choices because you don't want to be a fool. You don't want to keep trying. And it's expensive. It ain't cheap. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And it's time and it's energy and Mm -hmm. money, all of the things, right? Yes. Yes. And I just had this gut feeling and I couldn't, couldn't stop thinking. And my friend was like, I think you should go for it. And so I texted my doctor at lunch. She calls me right away, Dr. Beltzos in, in Chicago. And she said, I think it's reasonable. Let's give it one more time. Okay. And at that point, she had already recommended that I not do right. it. So she must have had some gut feeling. Sure. So I go through, I get the, I go through, I did not have great numbers. It was fine. I was produced, you know, because I had been suppressed, right? In getting ready for a donor round. So, you know, all the emotions are there. I end up having my retrieval on my birthday, my 46th birthday. Mm. Um, And we got five, I think, out of the 16 or maybe seven. I don't remember at this point. We had three embryos growing. At this point, we decided to go ahead and do the genetic testing and the freezing and prepare my uterus for transplant. Sure. And I was like, let's just go all in one more time, all in all the stops and every moment. And I just want to, for listeners, like, it's like, I questioned the whole thing the whole time. I was like, I was like, that was stupid. I didn't have great numbers. I, you know, I was foolish. I'm wasting time. I'm wasting money. I'm, this was not a good idea. Right. And, and I was like, but you've already in, you're already in just keep going. Right. So when they told us we had one one embryo that made it to day six. It was a six AB. Um, you know, every, every, you know, all those messages are like miracles, right? You're like, Oh my God. And I was like, go for it. Even though it's expensive, go ahead and do the genetic testing, go right. ahead and freeze it. A couple weeks later, I get the phone call from my doctor and she's like, Eileen, you know, you have a genetically normal embryo. And I was like, Oh my God, I couldn't believe it. And then like all people in this process, then we're like, oh my God, now I've got to get this baby to stick. Right. And it's like, <laughs> it's still frozen. <laughs> it was like the elation of knowing I had one, like within about 30 seconds turned into the sheer panic of I have right. one. <laughs> right. So just one of the three was normal? Only one could be Only genetically one. tested. Got they it. were like the, the, by three, by day five, we still had two. By day six, we had one. Oh my God. Okay. Oh yeah. So it was the full, and so then, um, you know, we actually did the um, mitochondrial testing as well, Mm -hmm. and that came also back normal. So we were so hopeful, and so, you know, I I joke about this, but like my sister and I, who who was with me through every cycle, obviously, and I was like, we're going to just, we're going to get this baby to stick, and we like joked about chewing gum, we're like, Chew gum, like whatever we can do to get whatever this baby to stick. Are you chewing? We would, I would, we call each other. Are you chewing gum? Anyway, so just to try to bring some levity to the situation, sure. and 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 then also, honestly, and I think you know one of the things I wanted to say, I honestly also felt a big trust in in the process. I was like, just keep going. If it's meant to work out, it's going to work out, right. and I honestly do not have any control. I can do what I can do. Sure. And then there's more at play. And if losing Brian wasn't, didn't teach me that one, 
um, you know, I was like, we did everything we knew to do and, and he still died. Right. Mm -hmm. It was like, and completely out of our control Mm -hmm. and I'm okay. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to give it all I can do and go for this baby. Mm -hmm. This is what we really, really want. And it's not all up to me. So a lot, you know, giving it up to God or giving it up to just universe or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. But we were just, okay. So anyway, um, yeah. And then we were lucky. We, you know, we were able to get pregnant. Um, it was, you know, he was, uh, 11 pounds, five ounces. Oh my goodness. Yeah. When he was born and, uh, yeah, he is a miracle child. Yeah. Wow. I I mean, okay. We just have to recap this. So you're 45 years old, almost. I'm 46. You, no, I 46. had him when I was 46. Yeah. You had gone through three cycles already with your own eggs, a donor cycle, then again with your own eggs, and then just got down to this one chance. Yes. And it worked out. Yeah. That is such an emotional, I mean, you talked about it, but, and I'm sure you talk about it more in the book, but just like the ups and downs is just a lot. It is a lot. So I would tell you something that's actually really also miraculous about this. So Brian, if you're, you know, if you're into astrology, if you're not in, but like he died on the winter solstice, which is the darkest, shortest day of the year. Mm. And Zach Hamra was born on the summer solstice. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, wow. it's so cl- cliche. You can't even make that up. Right. I was right. like, you know, and you know, we weren't planning. You don't plan that. Sure, and sure. Except for that he was, you know, my last doctor's appointment before the planned C-section. <laughs> the woman took, you know, took the, the uh, ultrasound and she was like, do you have gestational diabetes? <laughs> and I was like, no, <laughs> but if I need to, to get this baby out, I am will. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> Whatever. I go, I'll Just, stop eating yes. right now. Whenever you have an opening. <laughs> yeah. Like they're like, this baby is measuring <sighs> like over 11 pounds. Big. I was like, yeah, we need to, right, we need to right. go. I'm ready. Right, <laughs> get them out. Right. So it was summer solstice. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So what was your pregnancy like? Did you have any complications or issues or anything during your pregnancy? Okay. So the biggest difference I would say is, um, two things. One, um, I definitely experienced much more, I don't know, like call emotional depression in the first bit. Okay. And I think that p- partly is due to the progesterone and hormones that you need to take when you're supporting a pregnancy through IVF. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, and I had not, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not a happy pregnant person anyway. Uh, like actually it was one of the things I warned Mike about. I was like, you, you do, I'm just warning you now. I am not happy. A lot of women are amazing. <laughs> they feel wonderful. They want to have sex all the time. I'm like, that's not me. That's not me. Right. So it was, I would say probably the worst of that. Like I was not happy. I'm crabby. Um, I'm tired. Um, and I was really uncomfortable. And then I also had pretty severe anemia. Um, probably because he was just getting so big and maybe, I don't even know why, but, um, so I had, you know, um, what do you call that when your legs are twitch all the time or like a restless leg, oh, restless leg. Oh, it was, okay. That was awful. Oh, it was awful. Like I would just walk, I would get up every night and just like walk to try to just tire myself out and like move my legs to see if it could help. But, and I, you know, I watched a lot a lot of television. And so, which I don't normally do. (laughs) So, you know, and my, my kids are all like, 
you don't ever need to do that mom ever again. Cause they were old <laughs> enough to now watch me. So straight up like medical risk, except for being, um, high risk age in general, you know, and, and a fourth C-section and a really big baby. No, I, I was, I was good. Yeah. I was lucky. Yeah. Okay. Good, 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 good. And then how was the fourth C-section? I mean, a fourth C-section can carry substantial risk for bleeding and you're already anemic and things yeah. like that. So how was the birth itself? Uh, we were prepared. So, um, I, we already had blood, a blood transfusion of it ready mm-hmm. and, um, had the baby at Northwestern, um, hospital, which is a, you know, very well equipped hospital. So I felt very safe, but I could tell it was definitely a different experience. Right. <laughs> you know, like they were not playing around. Right. The doctors were very serious. And, and I would say, you know, for me, that was what was most important. A lot of women want uh, doctors with wonderful bedside manner and, or whatever they want. Right. And every doc, everyone needs to find their own, the match. But like, for me at that point, I was like, I'm good. You don't need to be nice to me. You just need to get me out alive. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and they were very, ni- they were very nice. But sure, it was, sure. But it was, it was, um, you know, they were not like, Mike, hey, they were like, okay, two doctors, serious surgery. And I could tell there was a different mood or tone, which I was expecting. Yeah. I wasn't like, oh, what's going on here? I'm like, no, I'm 46 and I'm anemic and this is a big baby and I want you to be very serious. <laughs> So, right, um, right. and it was, you know, it was uneventful, except for that I did end up with needing some, um, I forget how much blood, but they did give me someone else's extra blood to help me recover more quickly. So, yeah. Okay. 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 Was it a particularly long C-section or did it go fairly? Fairly routine. I mean, okay. the funniest part about it was like when the baby came out, they were like, oh my God. This is a giant child. Yeah. They were like, we need another chart. Like some, they were like, this has got to be one of the, it was for many of the people in the room, the biggest baby they had ever seen. Okay. So yeah. 11 pounds, (laughs) five ounces is, is no joke. Yeah. And how big were your other three? Not five, no, not close. Not that you could add my first two, five, 13 and six, nine together. And you know, it's, I think who knows age, who, um, uh, you know, different genes from the father, right, different, de- right, right, yeah. right. He was, he was strong. He wow. came out, wow. you know, ready to go. So sure. And healthy. Yeah. And we did end up yeah. in the NICU. Um, big babies often do little, little ones do and big ones do too, because they do have trouble regulating blood sugar. And um, so he did spend the majority of the time in the hospital in the NICU, which I is very stressful um, at the time it was very stressful. Like now I look back and I'm like, it's all you want is your baby to be healthy. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, um, that's the right place, but it was, so I would say if, if anything, that was the only other, um, you know, difficulty, difficulty. But again, I think I was, I kind of was prepared. I was like, this is, he probably will end up there because he, he will need a lot of a lot to eat. And, um, anyway, so, um, yeah, yeah and he was good. Yeah, yeah. He was good. So how long did he stay in the NICU? Um, one day more than normal. So I think he was, you know, we, we got one extra night in the hospital at for like, like three or four nights, like normally you spend three nights. Okay. Yeah. It okay. was not, it was not uh-huh. long. He, 
he okay. was able to okay. regulate pretty quickly. Yeah. Good. And go home with go you. Go home with us. Yeah. Home. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. 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 So then what was the postpartum period like for you? Um, so given it was my fourth C-section, I had learned the lessons of you do not plan anything. Do not try to do anything. You really need to physically recover. Right. Um, and for people that are like me and, you know, like to go, 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 and don't like to be down. Um, it's not natural necessarily, but I was like, I knew, I learned like, if you push it, it's not going to go well. So (laughs) (laughs) it will not be worth it. So, um, and he actually was the best nurser that I had. Like, so he nursed better than the other babies maybe because he was stronger and bigger and I'm not sure exactly, but so that was, a better, but I always, I did have to supplement because he was so big and gotcha. yeah, I mean, I healed normally. I had a lot of swelling, um, just, but that passed eventually. And, um, yeah, I was really, I, you know, it's funny. I was nervous, really nervous. Cause I, I remember one of my last doctor's appointments, I was like, if I feel this bad now when I'm pregnant, what is it going to be like after? And my doctor said, she's like, you're probably going to feel better. And I was like, I hope so. And I did. It was like, I was so tired of being pregnant that not carrying around and creating another human and just nursing him was, was actually physically better better for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show. So how did you adjust to, well, a couple of things. How did you adjust to having a new kind of blended family? Were there any issues with that? And that your children, you know, your first three children have a different father than the baby. Yeah. So one, one miracle was, um, Melanie, who's my oldest, right. And probably the most initially the most resistant to 
me getting remarried. Mm -hmm. Um, she, by the time we got married and we had, you know, dated for a while, like she loved him and she loved Mike and she was very happy that he was going to be her father figure. But, uh, she initially was like, no, I, you know, I don't need, I don't need that. And she came to the hospital and she was holding him for the first time. And she looked at me and she's like, oh my God, mom, I had no idea I would love him this much. And, um, I think we were all kind of taken aback by that. And one of the things that I had imagined, which did not come true, was that, you know, that that there wouldn't be like sibling rivalry, right? Because there's so much, there's a nine year age difference between Zach and, and Max, who's right. the next oldest. And I just thought they're going to be mature and they won't tease him. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was like, okay that pretty quickly i mean it didn't happen right. for six months but it was like pretty quickly when zach was kind of you know able to take it and they do it's hilarious they you know there's a lot of that sibling silliness and and it it is joyful but it's like i can't believe you're picking on your three-year-old but he'll do it the same he'll pick on them you know <laughs> like it's yeah it's, it's interesting um it is sweet i do think you know for Max, um, because he was only four when Brian died and he was very gung ho to find a new dad. Okay. And I think, you know, when he was little, his idea of a dad and I need a dad and you found a dad. Awesome. Mike's my dad. And he called him dad and the girls never called him dad. They always called Mm -hmm. him Mike and, and Max wanted to call him dad. And as soon as Zach was born, it Max really was able to see what he lost Uh, for the first time. He never, you know, he's a child and he never could quite put the whole picture together. And now, you know, he's like, Oh my God, that's a real dad and a real son. Who am I to Mike? And and who is Brian now? Or who is my dad? And so he definitely um, went through a period of time, you know, good two years where he struggled, um, with reconciling all of that. And part of it was us, all of us, you know, growing through that. So, you know, even though it was beautiful, it did, you know, it was not, it was not, not sure, painful too. Sure. And then have you been able to honor Brian's memory in the setting of your new family? Yeah. So, um, Brian was a big solar energy, um, a renewable energy advocate. He, he was the CEO of a solar energy company when he died, he, so we had done a lot of, um, and, and he was also an entrepreneur. So we've done lots of things in his honor, um, to putting solar panels on schools and, you know, sponsoring entrepreneurial, um, you know, pitch contests and things like that. Um, and I'm really lucky. And this was another reason I knew Mike was the guy is that, you know, Mike really embraces all of it. Hmm. Right. Like, and I think it takes a big person, right. 100%, to, um, yeah. yeah. To not, I think it's a little easier because, you know, there's no like, you know, uh, uh like personal, like in, right. he's not around. So it's not like, uh, there's not a jealousy from that perspective, but you know, often when people die young, he was, Brian was 38, you know, they die and they're, amazing right and they're always going to be amazing yeah. and so, you remember the best he, about people right yeah. and brian was pretty damn sure, amazing. Sure, and he sure. wasn't per- and he wasn't perfect for sure so but mike you know he really does 
embrace um, all of it. And, you know, we see his family and like, you know, Mike is in the whole family, but in the entire Robertson family has, you know, welcomed him and we go up to the lake. Uh, he's Brian was Canadian. So we, you know, and, and Mike will actually think of um, telling Brian's parents things before I even will. He'd be like, Oh, you know, Max, he's in puberty, right? He has a teeny tiny mustache. He shaved it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Oh, you probably Mike Max hears this. I'm sorry. But, um, you know, he sends it to, um, he sends, you know, a note to Dave and Donna and says, Hey, your grand, you know, your grandson, right. you know, like that. That's and so, nice. you know, it's a combination of honoring him, but also, um, you know, doing our best to, to, to keep it all together, all yeah. three families. And, um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's lovely. That's Thank you lovely. for asking. Yeah. And then uh, finally, what challenges have you had being a quote unquote, I hate to say the word older, well, maybe more, mat- more mature okay. mother to a young child? Yeah. Okay. So th- that is not a joke, right? <laughs> it is. Um, so one thing I want to say about that is it was actually one of the things I actually had to get over in order to open up myself to the possibility because I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. I was like, what are people going to think? What are people going to say? And you know, I was, I was like, that's so silly. Why am I going to not do something that, that we want because other people are going to say something. And you know, so I had to get over that. And then, um, so good news for me, I have teenagers right in the house. (laughs) So in a lot of ways like that, you know, when families years and years and years ago, there was like all kinds of children. Right. So like I am, I'm benefiting from the, you know, teenagers helping, you know, do a lot of the work and, and it's, you know, from all I hear, it's really good. It's good for the teenagers. It's good for the kids. And it's also Mike is super engaged because this is his only baby. Right. So like, and I would say for me, my role is different than it was for the first three. And I have had to do some work in like reconciling that because when Melanie, Brooke and Max were little, I was it. I was the Uh primary, uh right? Like Brian was working. He was building a company. I was the one who manage everything. And so for Zach, it's more of a all hands on deck, but I still, you know, and I still have these older children who now have a whole new set of issues to deal with. Like we're looking at colleges and, you know, emotional things around friendships Mm -hmm. and, you know, and dealing with their grief at times. So like, it is definitely different having a baby at my age with my circumstances than it was for me when they were littler, but it's good. It's, it's great. Yeah. And what would you say are, if you had to pinpoint like two or three things that have been really instrumental in helping you manage all of this, like, is it a mindset? Is it therapy? What are, what are things that you would say have really helped you to, to ride the ups and downs and the, the joys and the hard places? Yeah. So definitely therapy, therapy for everyone. <laughs> therapy. <laughs> I mean, if you don't, and it's, it's interesting. Cause like, you know, and I, sometimes it's not even necessarily therapy. It's like coaching, right. Um, yep. you know, being really interested in self-development yes. and I, my mindset f- for a long time and probably 
I don't know exactly when I <laughs> put this in, but it was like, you know, my life is not happening to me. It's happening for me. Mm. And so even in hard times and difficult times in, and also, and I've learned to, as I age, appreciate them more these moments where I was like, I don't want this. This is painful. It's very painful to see your children um, in pain, yeah. right? Yeah. Wanting, you know, yeah. it's very hard to yeah. see that. It's very hard to lose a husband. It's very hard. All these, it's hard to have a, you know, a difficult patch in a relationship with another family member, right? Like these are not like things we want, but when we lean into them and we look to see what, where we can grow out of it. And all the time for me, it's like, more compassion, <laughs> more forgiveness for myself or for the other person. You know, what is the perspectives? Like, what are my, what are my beliefs around this? What are their beliefs around this? Or like, what do I believe about this situation that may or may not be true? Um, yeah. And just leaning into, and then finding support and finding mm -hmm. people and um, that can help help navigate that stuff when you're stuck, yeah. whenever you're stuck. I mean, that's like, for me, like a, a practice. It's like when I'm stuck, I reach out. I have to, cause I will drive me and everyone nuts. Yeah. So, and I, I don't always do it like immediately. Sometimes I choose to stay stuck for a few weeks or even a few months, <laughs> but <laughs> don't we all, yeah, Allie? Oh my God. <laughs> and, and the quicker you can build the muscle to like, I'm stuck. I'm just stuck. Yeah. Who can, where are the resources? Who's in my space? Like, you know, what book can I read? Yep. What person can I reach out to? what podcast can I listen to, <laughs> you know, that is going to help me yeah. get through whatever this is that I'm struggling with. Cause yeah. it is truly in through the struggle that the growth happens. 100%. I love it. Love it. Love it. So what would be just to close your favorite piece of advice that you would tell other women who are listening or other people who are listening, I should say, whether about motherhood or, or anything, you have so much you can offer advice about what would be your favorite piece? I think especially because when I think about my, um, my journey with pregnancy, it was, um, don't give up on what you want, mm. right? Like now listen to reason, listen to doctors, listen to like, but if I had not really tuned into what I really wanted, and just decided to be like, oh, well, I'm just going to do the fast route or I'm going to do this or whatever. Like, I, I would never have Zach, put it that right. way. Right. Be open. Right. Um, and, this, and this is not just about having a baby because it's not, it's not always possible. It really isn't always possible. And I get that. And I know that I'm blessed. But anything in your life, right? Like, just because you think you're too old or you're too this or you're too that. Like, if it's what you really want in your heart, go for it. Because what will you regret more? Yep. Not failing um, because you tried or not trying at all. Yeah, 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 for sure. 100%. I love that. Love that. So please tell us where can women connect with you? Tell us all about your book. Where can people find you? All of that good, great stuff. Yeah. So the book can be found anywhere books are sold. So all the different online retailers um, at bookstores, you probably would have to order it. Um, but you can do that if you want to support your local bookstore. Oh, what's the name of the book? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, time, time to fly, uh, life and love after loss. And I think the whole title is my, you know, the message, right? Like this yeah. is it. 
Right. And don't wait. I guess maybe that's the other second piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Don't wait. Time. This is the time. You don't know how long we've got. Right. Sure. Go for it. 100 percent. Yeah. And then um, my website is my name, Eileen Robertson I'm also on all the social media platforms, um, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, so people can connect with me there. Um, yeah. And I just really appreciate the opportunity being able to share my story. Cause I do, it's funny when people say, Oh, you lost a husband. Um, that's so awful. But then when I say, and then I had a baby at 46, everyone's jaw drops. So yes. like, tell me more about that one. <laughs> so I'm, I really am grateful that I got to share this piece of the story with, with you and with your listeners. So, yeah. And I'm grateful that you reached out. I know 100% there are going to be people listening who this will really resonate with them. So I appreciate your time and I appreciate your patience. Y'all, we had some <laughs> terrible technical issues on my side and Eileen was so gracious <laughs> in dealing with this, but we have recorded and it will now be out into the universe. Good. So I appreciate yes. that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Eileen. Thank you. Right. Wasn't that a great episode? It's lovely to see how Eileen was able to make the best and triumph out of what is a, what was a very difficult situation for her. Now, you know that after every episode, when I have a guest on, I do something called Nicole's Notes, where I do my top three or four takeaways from my conversation with the guest. So here are my Nicole's Notes from my conversation with Eileen. Number one, her comment about trying IVF with her own eggs, would she regret more that she never tried or would she regret that she tried and failed? And she realized that she would have regretted if she never tried with her own eggs. And that resonated with me. I think you will almost always regret never trying something. Sometimes there's fear wrapped up in things and why you don't do things. And I mean, just trying things in life in general, not, not IVF specifically, you will regret that you didn't give something a try. And Eileen's case, she followed her instincts and things worked out great. Now, I do want to be clear that things don't always work out great when you try. Sometimes you will try and you will fail with things. As a matter of fact, I have an upcoming interview where someone did IVF and things did not work out. So all you can do is do the best that you can and go for what you want. Go for what your heart is telling you to do. You can't control the outcome, but you can control the choice to do something or to not do something. And I think that that's really meaningful and important. All right. Number two, Eileen didn't enjoy being pregnant. She was real, real clear about that. And I want you to know that it is okay that if you don't enjoy being pregnant, I personally, the only thing that I liked about being pregnant was feeling my babies move. Otherwise, the rest of it, I could, you know, throw away. (laughs) Yes, I'm very grateful that my body was able to grow two human beings, but I just, the feelings, I was not like great at being pregnant other than feeling the babies move. And that is okay. If you don't enjoy being pregnant, don't feel bad. Um, It is okay. All right. Number three, blended families take work. 
I think Eileen demonstrated, and she also talks about it in her book as well, I'm sure more detail about how you have to work to blend families together. It's not something that necessarily comes easy or straightforward. You have to put some effort in it to have a blended family and one that works. And then the final thing, when you are stuck, reach out. Sometimes it can be hard to ask for help. And as Eileen said, sometimes you, you know, go around in circles for longer than you want to before you reach out for help. But when you're stuck, reach out. I think this can be especially important in the postpartum period where things can get crazy sometimes, things can be challenging sometimes. And, you know, there's some expectations from our society that you should just be able to handle it or you should just be able to deal with it or even during pregnancy that things are normal, things are natural, um, that you you don't have the right to like, I don't know, think that things are going to be difficult or challenging. And sometimes they are, especially after you have a new baby. So when you are stuck, please, please reach out. And sometimes you have to reach out to more than one place. It may not be the first place you reach out to. You may have to find another place before you get the help that you need to get you back on track. But when you are stuck, please reach out. Okay, so there you have it. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to me right now. And I'd love it if you leave a review in Apple Podcasts. It helps the show to grow, helps other folks to find the show. And I do shout outs from those reviews from time to time as well. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins or join my email list at drnicolerankins.com forward slash email. So you can be the first to know about my upcoming workshop on how to make the best of your prenatal care. Of course, there are other great reasons to follow me and be on my email list as well. I provide lots of great information on social media and in a weekly email newsletter. So I would love to see you in both places. So that is it for this episode. Come on back next week. And until then, I wish you a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. Head to my website, drnicolerankins.com to get even more great information, including free downloadable resources on how to manage pain and labor and warning signs to look out for after birth. You'll also find information on my free online class on how to make a birth plan that works, as well as everything you need to know about my signature online childbirth education class, the birth preparation course. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com and I will see you next week.